right, there we go, there we go. Well, that's awesome. I'm excited that you are here today. Uh, we are pumped that you're here. I'm pumped to be in God's house. Absolutely excited to be starting this sermon series. We're kicking off today on the Holy Spirit. This is going to be a several month long series that will probably run us through August. And um, so we're excited about that. There might be some deviation a little bit here, but we'll still apply a little bit in August um, because if you weren't here last week and didn't hear or didn't get the emails, the smoke signals, text messages, or whatever else that we sent out, uh, we made a big announcement for the Williamsburg campus last week. Um, God has been doing some amazing things and just opening doors for us and working uh, some things um, just in the, the life of the church. And uh, for a while now, for several years, we've been asking the question, uh, if you don't know, the Newport News campus meets on Saturday nights and they've done so for several years now with much success and much reason and purpose. And so we've been asking uh, for several years, is Williamsburg supposed to be a Saturday night church? And, uh, and God has just uh, always kind of just put that question out in front of us and never really said, let's do anything with it. But over the past several months, God has said yes, and the time is now, and he's opened up incredible doors. And so, um, so starting in September... Um, ish, and uh, we're locking in the dates real soon, and we'll continue to give you information as we get that. Uh, but starting in September um, ish, we're going to be meeting at Newtown United Methodist on Monticello, and um, and so we're super excited about that. We're going to be in Newtown. If you don't know where that is, um, if you've ever gotten a speeding ticket, or um, maybe you had just a bad night one night, um, the courthouse on Monticello it is right next to the courthouse. Um, or if you're a saint and you don't have any of those issues in your life, maybe you know where uh, Bonefish is or you know where Panera Bread is. It's kind of right across the street from there. Trader Joe's go the other way, all right? So it's kind of over there. So um, we're super excited about it. It was just really cool how it happened as we started really just getting some sense that we should seriously uh, question this and see if this is what God was leading us in. As we were asking that, we just sent out an email to the most ideal church for the most ideal location and facility, and we said, how cool would it be if, right? And just kind of laughed about it. And when we sent them the email, their response was we've been praying for a church to partner with in the community so that we could share our facilities to have a big kingdom heart. And we were like, what? So, I mean, it was just awesome. So it's just so cool how God's just working uh, these things out and how this stuff is um, just happening. So we're super excited about it, and uh, we'll be giving you more information as we get that. So, well, if you're new today, just want to let you know, um, my name is Jamie Bell, and I am the campus pastor here at Williamsburg. Uh, we are one church for two locations, soon to be three locations, uh, starting in the beginning of January. Um, next year, and so uh, we are excited. We have a, a we're a church that has a regional heart that we want to have campuses, not so much in the sense that we just want to grow campuses just to keep having growth or whatever else. That we, we want to have campuses to reach people, to connect with people. That there's a spiritual growth and a spiritual vitality in what we do when we have a church that, because of proximity, because of because of relationship, that we're able to go and connect with others and use our gifts that God has given us in our communities and in our churches. And so we are excited about uh, what God's called us to do at church. We think we're pretty awesome, but we do not think we're the best church. We just think we're a great church that God's using, and uh, we thank you for being here today if you are a guest, and um, uh, please make sure you're connecting with us because we love to connect with you as well. Also, I want to give a special uh, welcome real quick. Um, I'm probably going to embarrass them, but it's all right um, because they're family, but uh, I'm going to give a shout out to my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, Crystal and Eric are here. Um, they're in from Orlando, Florida. Uh, they were hoping to get a little bit of a reprieve from the humidity and heat, and it did not happen. So uh, they must have brought it up with them. So yeah, they, they went to D.C. earlier, and which we you know that is just um, an armpit. So um, 
Uh, so, oh, but uh, but we, we got a lot of water events and all kinds of other things, so we're going to soak that up. So it's going to be a lot of fun, but excited to have them here uh, with their three amazing kids. So, um, All right, well, so this sermon series that we're going to be starting off is on the Holy Spirit. And uh, I don't know about you, but, um, you know, for me, I, I grew up in uh, Pentecostal charismatic churches my entire life. You know, um, my dad was a crazy Pentecostal charismatic pastor in the 80s and, uh, and all that brings with it, the perms and everything. And uh, yeah, the, the <laughs> permed hair and, and the yelling preaching, it brings it all. And so for me, um, you know, growing up uh, in a Pentecostal charismatic church, the conversation of the Holy Spirit has always been one that's met with a lot of different uh, realities. I don't know about for you or not, but maybe you've had, uh, just even just in life in general, you've had moments or conversations that when something happens and you're just like, I don't know what to do with that conversation and it gets a little bit awkward. Have you ever had those moments, you know? Um, just, just the other day, uh, we were putting Rylan to bed and, and uh, we got all these things that we do when we put our kids to bed and, and one of the things if there's anything they want to talk about, they can talk to us, you know, um, at that moment. And we were putting her to bed and just out of the blue, just like out of nowhere, um, Rylan, you know, um, she just goes, she goes, so how long does it take Jesus to make a baby? And so... <laughs> I was like, nine months, simple, we're going to go to bed, right? And so I was just like, hey, nine months. And she goes, nine months, that's a long time. And so she has no concept of time at all. I mean, we ask her all the time, like, she's like, how long before you just five minutes? Just wait five. What is five minutes? It's five of one minutes, right? What's a minute? You know, just count to 60 and then do that five times, right? That's fine. And so she just has no concept of time. And so she goes, nine months. She goes, that's forever, right, in her head. And so she goes, oh, so Jesus is already making the baby in my tummy right now, right? And Michelle goes, oh, baby, that's not how it works, right? You know, and so it's just like, oh, we don't have time for this. So, I mean, we're having some age-appropriate conversations, but obviously we need to start going a little bit deeper um, and, and helping her understand some things. But, you know, it's just one of those moments where in the moment, Michelle's like, oh, we're not going there now, you know? And, um, but, you know, maybe we've had those moments, you know, in our own lives, in our walk, uh, especially when it comes to the conversation of the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there's, there's moments, especially uh, being a part of a charismatic Pentecostal church, that when people talk to you and they ask what church you go to, um, they, they're always going to lead into it. Even this week, I was talking to some people um, at Nathan's uh, retirement um, ceremony, the celebration afterwards, which was awesome. Just got to eat a lot of food and, and, and celebrate him. And again, we just thank you for your service and uh, the life you've lived, man. We appreciate you so much. But so I'm sitting there just talking to some people, and as we're talking to them, uh, they asked, "Well, what do you do?" You know, and um, and so I was like, "Well, I'm a pastor." And so they're like, "Oh, awesome!" And the next question always happens is, "What denomination are you part of?" And and for me, it's always been like one of those things like oh where's this gonna go because I know the moment that I say which I've been most of my you know uh, professional life is assemblies of God as soon as I say that or if I say you know we're a non-denominational charismatic church or whatever else I know if I say those things that it's always gonna bring up questions and it's always gonna bring up oh 
you're one of those churches, <laughs> you know? And so, and so, you know, it's just, it's always one of those things when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there's this sense in us sometimes that we just kind of back off a little bit because we know that there's perceptions. We know there's all kinds of things that are present in the world um, it, it, because of a result of bad teaching or, or just the, the 80s and the 90s. And so, you know, all of that stuff. And it's just, it's just realities that are there. So sometimes when these awkward conversations are brought up or these moments are brought up, our response sometimes is to hesitate or to back away or kind of diminish it a little bit um, because, you know, it, it, in, in our lives, it's not bad. It, it, it's really not hard, though it's getting harder in a culture, which is probably a good thing for us to be like, hey, Team Jesus, right? It's, it's not always hard for us to do that. We don't really like to go deep in those conversations sometimes, um, but, but it's not hard for us to do that. But when we start stepping out and saying, man, I believe in the activity of the Holy Spirit, I believe that the Holy Spirit is active, and I believe the Holy Spirit gifts, and I believe the Holy Spirit, when we get into that camp, it's really because people start saying, huh, <laughs> you're one of those people, right? And they start imagining the people flopping on the floor or clucking like chickens, and that's what they start thinking about. So, so what happens is, is we back away a little bit, and, and we just kind of say, I'll go to non-denominational church. You know, or we just say, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a Christian, and then, then we just kind of just say that, right? And we kind of back away from it. But, but the reality and the truth of it is, is that, that the Holy Spirit is a gift to us from God. The Holy Spirit is a reality of who God is. We believe in a triune God, which means there is three distinct, unique persons of one God. And the Holy Spirit is a part of that trinity. And the Holy Spirit is a gift to us. Jesus himself says in John chapter 16, you want me to go. You want me to leave because I'm going to give you a gift. I'm sending the Holy Spirit, and you want me to go. Jesus said, as good as I am, as, as, as wonderful it is that I'm here, as much as you're enjoying, to, he's talking to his disciples, as much as you're enjoying the fact that you can see me and touch me and experience life with me in the physical, you want me to go because you want the Holy Spirit to come. He's an advocate for you. You want the Holy Spirit to be here. But when we happens is, is, is when we get in these moments and we get tempted to resist instead of embracing the Holy Spirit, what we actually do is we create this environment where we create this culture where things can be misunderstood, where things can actually be perverted and they turned into something they're not supposed to be. See, what we need to do is embrace the conversation and not say, yeah, I'm team Jesus. You know, we need to say, I'm all for God and God is all for me and that means all three persons who make up God I'm all for it and I want God's activity in my life I want the Holy Spirit present in my life I want the Holy Spirit leading me in my life I want the Holy Spirit guiding me speaking to me gifting me convicting me I want the Holy Spirit present and really what I honestly believe is, is I've grown up in the charismatic church. I've struggled for a long time. I was a teenager that was at the altars crying and thinking God didn't love me because I was begging for things that were promised in the Bible or things that were told about the Holy Spirit that I just couldn't seem to get. And it really what it was was misunderstandings. It was bad teaching. It was a lot of different things all mixed into one. And so in those moments, because the conversations that I wanted to have weren't really had and because I wasn't sure about it and because other people People were unsure about it. All this different stuff. All these things happened in this moment that I ended up in a place where I didn't even want to embrace the things have God had for me. I was misunderstanding the things that were present. I was rejecting those things. And so what happens is, is we've got to get to a place where we say, no, God is active. God has things that he wants for us in this life. And they are able to be realities in our life because of the Holy Spirit. 
There are gifts that he wants us to have. There are things that he wants us to have. There's a life that he wants to have us to have, and he wants to give us through the Holy Spirit that will change the way that we live. See, the Holy Spirit, if we had a good understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, if we had a willingness to embrace the wholeness of who God is and the activity of his spirit in, in our lives, then it would change how we live our lives as Christians. That it would transform, that it would overwhelmingly impact us on a greater level. And so what we're wanting the series to be is, is a conversation that is not one where we just come and say, okay, great, on Sunday, I'm all Jesus, I'm all Holy Spirit, I'm all God the Father. But on Monday, we're just like, <laughs> non-denominational, right? We, we want it to be one that moves us into a place that says, man, I, I want God's activity. I want to understand who God is, and I want to understand God's activity in my life. I want to embrace it. I don't want to just hoard Jesus on Sunday and then put him in his quarter on Monday through Saturday. I want to live my life full on for him. I want him to live full on in me. I want to embrace who God is, and I want to understand the Holy Spirit. I want it to tremendously impact my life as a Christian. So as we move into this, let's give a working definition of the Holy Spirit. And this is, I've taken from Wayne Grudem and adapted just a little bit. Uh, Wayne Grudem is a great theologian. He's got an incredible uh, book on theology. There's some things that we may differ on as far as a church, but those are secondary things. But it's a fantastic book. But um, uh, he says this, the definition of the work of the Holy Spirit is to make evident the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. So let me say that again. The work of the Holy Spirit is to make evident the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. See, see, the work of the Holy Spirit is to show us the blessing of who God is, the blessing of his goodness and his mercy, his plans and his purpose. You can look all through scripture. In the very beginning of scripture, in Genesis, you see God's spirit it's hovering over the darkness of the earth. And, and, and through his spirit, God begins to create and to be, begin to do things. As you go and you see Adam and Eve, you see God breathe his spirit life into them. You see the Israelites walk walking through life and you see them blessed by God's presence, by his spirit being on them. You see Saul able to become king because his spirit rushes on Saul. His spirit rushes on the prophets and they're able to speak. His spirit comes on to Samson and Samson's able to have strength and to do things that he could not do on himself. The spirit blesses, the spirit gives provision, the spirit does all of these things and the spirit gives us power. Gives us power to live the lives that God's called us to live. In Acts chapter, or in Acts, you see uh, the, the word power used multiple times. Eight out of the nine times, it's the word power is deutimus, and it's meant to do power in miracles. It's, it's power to do miracles. That we're actually supposed to be a part of this life where there are things that are different. There should be the sense that when people look at a Christian that is following God, that's submitted to him, where his spirit is active in our lives, and, and, and you see this, that there are miraculous things. There are unexplainable things. There are things that are present in our activity, in our presence, in our mindset, in the way that we handle situations that are different. And that instead of that being something that's an awkward mystery, it should be something that people look at and say, that's awesome. 
What is that? I'm intrigued by that because I really believe that the world is not caught off and not put back by things that they don't understand. I think the world is put back and taken back and put off by the way that Christians live because they know that there's something that we should believe, but they see us living something differently. And if we were to embrace and say, no, this is it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I don't understand it all. Yeah, I can't explain it all, but I know it's real and I know it's true. And look what God's done in my life. And I'm telling you, God can do this in your life. That we begin to see and sense God's presence in our life. People begin to see and say that that is awesome. There's people that I've had in my life where they can't make sense of things. They don't understand things. They kind of even mock me a little bit for the way that I live in my life and the decisions that I make and the things that I stand up for. But as much as they mock me, they still want to be around me because there's a sense of I see God active. I see God present. And so maybe they don't understand, but they want to be next to it because really what's going on in their own heart is God's softening their hearts and God is drawing them to himself through the Holy Spirit activity in my life. God is revealing his presence through the Holy Spirit in my life and the Holy Spirit working in their lives. And so when we look at this conversation, we see these things that uh, sometimes we can say, that doesn't make sense, that's awkward. I don't want to talk about it. I want that to be secret. Really what the world says is, is they want to see God full on, powerfully and engaged and active in our lives that when they see God doing miraculous things, it's not about what they can understand, but it's what they can sense and it's what the Holy Spirit in them is longing for them to get and to realize is that God is present, real, active, and that he loves them. So let's look at real quick five things. You're like, real quick, five. That's funny. (laughs) So we're gonna look at five different ways that the Holy Spirit makes evident the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. Number one is empowers for life and empowers for ministry. Number one is empowers for life and empowers for ministry. He empowers for life in multiple different ways. He preserves life. In Job chapter 34, verse 14, 14, It says, if God were to take back his spirit and withdraw his breath, all life would cease and humanity would turn against the dust. In Psalm 104, 30, it says, when you give them your breath, life is created and you renew the face of the earth. Through the Holy Spirit, God sustains and holds together all of life. That if God at any moment was to remove his spirit, we would cease to exist and what is existing now would be gone in the blink of an eye. His spirit is what holds things together. His spirit is what renews life, brings life to all things, to our lives, to the life that we know, to the trees, to the grass, to the birds, to the air. Everything, God brings life to it and through his Holy Spirit, he sustains life. First, or in John chapter 3, verse 6, it says this, Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. He, empower, he empowers us to spiritual life. That, that when we give our heart to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit fills us, comes on us, baptizes. And the Holy Spirit changes us in a moment. That we are still going to be yet made perfect, but in a moment we're made perfect in God's sight. Because the Holy Spirit comes on us and changes, empowers us to not live life for ourselves any longer, but to now live life for God. To live our lives not as ordinary, but to live this spiritual, profound life. That is what the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. The Holy Spirit empowers us for this present life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, Jesus says this, that my purpose is to give you a rich and a satisfying 
find life. In John chapter 14, verse 26, says this, But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. The Holy Spirit brings us peace. He brings us a sense of abundance. The word that's used here for peace, both in the Greek and the way other words that it's used in in, in the Hebrew and the Old Testament, it's not just a sense of peace in the sense that all things are quiet, but it's it's a sense of all things are in harmony, all things are in unison. That This rich and the satisfying life doesn't necessarily mean materialistic things, though God blesses us and provides for us in our material need. It's not the sense of, oh, everything's great and I'm happy all the time, because in our suffering we can still have peace. It's not just all of those things, but it's a sense of all things work together. Even the chaos and the suffering in our life, it works together for God's glory glory and for our good. There's this harmony that even in the bad situations of life, even in the lacking situations of life, in the abundant things of life, and in all of those things, God works them out. And through the Holy Spirit, he's empowering us for this present life, this rich and the satisfying life, this good life that the Holy Spirit gives us. He empowers us for the future life. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. That we live a life now. And not only now are we living for God, but we will for all eternity live for God. There's this future life that is secure, that is right, that is promised to us, that we can know even now because of the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives. The Holy Spirit empowers us, reminds us, gives us this hope of what God has promised us and what is available because of Jesus Christ on the cross. That we are able to be empowered to live for a life that is beyond what we know and see. He empowers us to see that and to know that. So he also empowers us, not just for life, but for ministry. In Judges chapter 6, verse 34, it says, The Spirit of the Lord took possession of Gideon, and he blew a ram's horn as a call to arms, and the men of the clan of Abadar came to him. When it says the Spirit of the Lord took possession of him, again, it's just a reminder of different things that, that when God calls us, when we're saved, we are not just made right with him, but we're called and we're made active in the work that he has and the internal purposes that he has. When his Spirit comes on us, he's preparing us and readying us to use us in his active ministry. That there's, as followers of Christ, as believers, as part of a church, that we have a role and a purpose in God's plans. That we're not just supposed to be present, that we're supposed to be active because God is active in us. That's exciting, that's encouraging. And it's not just, okay, well, I gotta figure it out and I gotta make things work. And man, it's gonna be a lot of hard work and there's gonna be a lot of effort and I'm just gonna have to figure this thing out and maybe I'll get it right and maybe I won't and maybe I'll make God proud. Maybe I'll really disappoint him. I don't know, you know. No, he empowers us for ministry. We'll see here in a little bit that he, through the Holy Spirit, that there are gifts that God makes aware to us and strengthens in us so that we can actively help each other to see God's presence in this world and so that we can reveal God's presence to the outside world. That God empowers us for ministry that you, every single one of us, we have a gift. There's something that we can do to help people to see and to know that God is present and God sees them, loves them, knows them, and that they can find life through Jesus Christ in him as well. That is what he's called us to do. He's given each one of us a gift. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, it says, There 
are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. And so when we look at each other's gifts and we look at all these things, each and every person in here, you have a gift that is not just needed for you to do something so that you can understand God at a greater level. Your gift is to be used so that, you, so that I and so that someone else can understand God at a greater level, so they can see his activity and presence at a greater level. It is our role, it's our job to come in and say, God, I want to do and be a part of the things that you're doing. I want to be active in the life that you have for me because it helps us to see and to know God's presence. Secondly, so the first one is, is it empowers for life and empowers for ministry. Secondly, the work of the Holy Spirit to, uh, to make known, to manifest the presence of God in the world and especially in the church. He does it through purifying our lives. John chapter 16, verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Some of you were once like that, but you were once like that. What does that mean? You were once like Terrence, but now you're not. But you were once cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of God. One more, Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, in the latter part of that verse, it says this, and the Spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what this na- uh, sinful nature desires. When you are saved, you are filled with the Spirit, and you should see and you should sense this reality that God's presence, that God's Spirit is becoming more and more active in your life, that who you were five years ago is so far from who you are today. There's constant moments in our marriage where Michelle constantly reminds me of who I used to be and the way I used to do things. And she acknowledges and sees the way that God has grown in me and who he's created me to be now. That five years ago, the way I would have handled a situation is not how I handle a situation now. And it's not because Jamie's just gotten better or got smarter or he read you know, a couple how-to books or jumped into and watched some different videos. But God is actively working in my life and his spirit is purifying me. It's removing the things in me that are not of God and it's helping me to discover the things that are of God. The, the Holy Spirit in his work is actually making us more and more like Christ. That is his work in us. And as people begin to see you and know you, engage with you, as you do life at work and as you do life in your home, as you're connecting with people and you spend time with people, they begin to see and sense that what you say is what you believe And what you believe is what they see in your life because they see you changing. They see you transforming. They see you becoming a better person. They see you changing your habits or changing your attitudes. They see you responding to things differently. And it makes God's presence known in that moment. It helps reveal who God is to that person in that moment. Terrence and I have been friends for a long time and, and, and because of our relationship and because even now the proximity we have, we work together a ton and we share an office together that desks face each other, which creates awkward moments at times. You know, like even in those moments, I mean, we spend a lot of time together. And, and Terrence and I, like we, we have a friendship and we know each other at a deeper level than most people do. And so Terrence is able to look into my life and he can say, I remember who Jamie used to be six years ago and I know who Jamie is now. I can see this growth. And what it does is it excites Terrence to grow closer to God. 
There, there's moments in my life where, where I'm doing things and going through, and I see Terrence respond differently than he used to. Or I see Terrence say something that Terrence used to not be able to say or would not even have thought to say. And, and you see all of these things happening, and you just, I, I just go, God, you're so awesome. I, I see God working in Terrence's life. I see God purifying him, making him better. It's a lot of work, but God's able to do it, right? And so, like, I'm sorry, I just love you, so I'm just picking on you. But so... <laughs> You know, like, I mean, you see all of these things. I don't mind getting a laugh on your expense. So, um, but so, you know, you just go through, you see all of it. It makes me aware of God's activity. It makes me aware of God's presence because the Holy Spirit is working in him. See, God purifies us, not just in the sense, because God's up there to saying, you got to get it right. You got to get it right. If you don't get it right, I'm just going to pluck you off the earth, right? God is saying, no, I want you to be more like Jesus. I want you to be more like the person who I've called you and created you to be. And the Holy Spirit works in our lives to draw us to that and to make us that. Thirdly, Holy Spirit makes evident the presence of God by revealing God's presence, by revealing God's character. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And, know, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit of God is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, spiritual wisdom and insight. This is Paul, and he's praying for the church in Ephesians, and he's saying, hey, I pray for you, and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. He prays the same thing in Colossians for the church in Colossae, that the Holy Spirit reveals a deeper sense of who God is. A lot of times as a Christian, we walk through life, you know, or even just as somebody who's curious. You're just on the edge of curiosity of who God is and this whole Jesus thing. And we kind of walk through and it's like, there's no way those things could be known. I, and it's like this big cosmic joke that God is just sitting up there just being like, I've given them 32 pieces to an 84-piece puzzle, you know? And, and we're just sitting there just going, what is going to happen? How, I mean, how is this all? It doesn't make sense. See, the truth of the matter is, is that God doesn't want us to sit there baffled, but God does have a timing in the way that he reveals things. And at the same time, there is a mysteriousness, there is a majesty to who God is that we will not fully understand who he is. There will be many things that do not make sense of God. And that's a good thing. You know why? Because if we could make sense of it all, he would be a pretty puny God. Right? If he's small enough for you and I to grasp and be able to understand He's not God. So there's this sense of mystery and intrigue that will always be present in God. There's a sense of timing that God will reveal things at the right time and the right place because we will be at a place where we've submitted to God's spirit and we will begin to understand and see in a way that we weren't before. And it will be helpful for us to be able to take that next step to where God wants us to go. Where if we were revealed to us too soon or too early, it would have just been overwhelming and could have crushed us. So God is loving and he's merciful. He reveals himself and reveals things at the right time so that we can continue to grow in him, be purified in him, make him evident in our lives and see his experience in our lives. Fourthly, this. See, I told you we had five. We're moving along pretty good, right? Fourthly, 
You haven't seen my conclusion, though. All right, fourthly. <laughs> fourthly, he makes God's presence evident in this world through unity. Unity with those in the church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17, he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Whenever you see in Scripture, you see these comparisons, you see Jews and Gentiles, and you see these different things, it's just saying everyone. It's just God's, it's the Bible's way of saying everyone everybody, all right? And so when you, when you hear this, what this verse is saying is, is that there is this sense and there should be the sense of unity. Jesus prays for that for the church. That is one of his first prayers for the church is that we would be known by the same unity that he and his Father and the Holy Spirit are known for. That there should be this sense of unity and, and, and he brings us together and unifies us in our gifts, unifies us in our purposes, unifies us in our beliefs. That when we come together that we are not standing on our own but we're standing around the person of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. That we're unified together and when we're unified together it's amazing because one, literally God says we can do anything. Secondly, the world looks at it with wonder and awe and they say, wow, God is an active God and he's a present God because they see the church working together. I mean, I'm telling you, things that I've been a part of in life and, the, and experiences I've been a part of, the most amazing things that, that, that I've just seen God's presence just so evident and overwhelming has not been in a church building. But it's been when churches have been working together out in the world just doing the good that God's given us to do. When the churches are unified, when people in the body, when we come together, when we're standing here, I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself, but it's okay. So when we get in here together and we're standing in these moments and we're worshiping, there's a sense of unity and God is so active and he moves and you become aware of his presence. You become so enthralled with who God is and you just say, wow, man, I just want to be deeper into your presence. I want to be more aware of who you are. I don't want to leave this place. God is so good and he's so active. So he unites us in the church and he unites us and unifies us in God's purposes in our own lives. In Ephesians chapter five, verse 15, it says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine. It says don't be drunk with wine. Don't, right, right. Because that you ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God, the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is this so big? Why is this so awesome? Because it, when the Holy Spirit is active in our lives and working, it unifies us to God's purposes in our own lives. There's moments that we find ourselves where we just say, uh, I don't know if this thing's working out. Right? When, when you're following God and you're walking out, there's moments when it just seems like everything is going wrong and everything seems to be falling apart. And you're just like, uh, God, where are you? Um, kind of, uh, uh, I'm here. 
right? I mean, <laughs> I know you got a lot going on, but do you notice, like, <laughs> chaos, right? And, and in those moments, God, through his Holy Spirit, reminds us and unifies us to his purposes, that he brings us together, that in those moments of doubt, that we can look with certainty and confidence that God is at work, that he's going to work out all things, that God is making all things happen. See, what happens is, is that oftentimes is when we get into those moments where it seems like chaos is abounding or those moments when it seems like it's going to cost us more than we're willing to give, that in those moments we begin to walk away from God. But instead, we should step into those moments because what it's going to do is deeper, uh, it's going to pull us deeper into God's presence and deeper into understanding of what he has for us in this life. Oftentimes when there's things happening and there's, there's all kinds of difficult situations at place, it's our tendency just to back away from it. It's our tendency just to say, I'm going to let that go and just kind of figure out what's going to happen there and whatever happens is going to happen. But instead, we should step into those and say, God, I, whatever, whatever you need me to say, whatever you need me to do, God, I know this is the right thing to say, and it's probably going to cost me my friendship. God, I know this is the right thing to do at work, but it's probably going to cost me my job. God, I know this is the right thing that, I, that you've called me to do, but it's going to cost me more than I'm willing to give. I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if I should do it. God, my doubt is bigger than my faith in this moment. When you find yourself in those places, step deeper into them and say, God, that's all real. You know it's real. That's where I'm at, but I trust you. God, I want to be unified to your purposes. God, I want to have understanding to what you're doing in this moment. When you step into that place, it's amazing how quick you begin to see and understand how things are working out. You get this peace, that, th that sense that the Holy Spirit is there and you get this peace that all things are in harmony, that they're working out and you just begin to trust and then God says, here's why this is happening and here's where I want you to go and then you say, awesome, that's the next step I'm taking. That's where I'm going. He unifies us in his purposes because we gotta believe and we gotta trust that whatever God starts, he's gonna finish. Whatever God makes happen and whatever he begins in our life, he's going to work it out to finish in our life. And we've got to trust that and we've got to step into those moments of doubt or worry or fear and say, you're worth it. You're worth it. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you because I know that you are present in my life. I, I sense you. I know you. I've seen you active in my life. So I know that if you started this thing, you're going to finish it. It might look like a different finish line than I thought I was going to cross, but I'm going to cross the finish line you have for me, and that's what I want. That's all I want. That's all I care about. So, fifthly, he makes us, the Holy Spirit makes God's presence evident in the world and especially in the church by giving evidence of his presence. By giving evidence of his presence. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promises to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. John chapter 7 verse 38 says, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. One more verse, and there's going to be a test on all of these verses afterwards, but one more verse. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. He gives evidence of his presence. When you say, 
Jesus, save me. Jesus, I make a vow of devotion to follow you. Jesus, I make a commitment that you are my life and I need you. He fills us with his Holy Spirit and he changes us. He works in us and then he begins to do something special in us. There's a sense of this evidence when it talks about this river of living waters flowing out of you. Can you imagine that? Can you picture that? A river flowing out out of you. I know sometimes we can picture that really easy with certain people because they talk so much, right? You're just like, yeah, it feels like a literal live river, right? <laughs> but, but just even that, you, there's, a, there's evidence, there's proof of, it's, it's something that is tangible. A river is not something that could be easily held back or restrained. A river is something that comes out, it's known, right? If you're walking through the woods and all of a sudden you hear something, we all know what that noise is. You don't know there's a river there, but you can hear it, right? A river is evidence of his presence. It should be the sense that when we say, I'm all for you and I've made this vow of devotion to follow you, to trust you as Lord and Savior, that when he fills us, that he's purifying us, he's strengthening us, he's calling us, he's gifting us, he's working us, he's making us a new person. And as he's doing that, it becomes a sense that it's a river, a life-giving river everywhere we go. That when we engage with other people, they're overwhelmed and consumed with life. They see the life and the goodness of who God is because of the things that he's doing in our lives. So, the other day, when I was coming back from Nathan's retirement ceremony, I made a huge mistake on the way there. I had, uh, when I was walking out the door, I, I made a conscious choice to leave my bag at the house which had my wallet in it. Um, which is a really bad thing when you're driving to a military base because they require that you have an ID to get on the base. And so, uh, so when I pulled up and I saw this giant say, sign that said 100% ID check, and I was like, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and so not only did that happen, and I got a private escort to the chapel, which was kind of cool, but um, uh, not only did that happen, but halfway there, my gas light had come on. And so I didn't have... Um, any gas in my car, and, uh, and so I'm just sitting there, and I'm just like, okay, um, uh, this, this is going to work out. <laughs> it's going to work out, right? And so I get done, and, and I get into the car, and my brain starts just racing about all kinds of things, and I'm thinking about what God's doing here in the church, thinking about things in our own life, and just all this different stuff's going on in our life, and, and I get on, and I drive the Colonial Parkway the whole way, because um, it's beautiful, and then, I, you know, I'm just like, well, if I, you know, run out of gas anywhere, it'd just be great just to have a beautiful, you know, place just to walk, and just pray, and just wait for Michelle to come and rescue me, and so, um, and so, you know, I'm driving the Colonial Parkway, and there's this guy in front of me, you know, the speed limit's 45, and you can't really pass on that road, you know, uh, where you're not supposed to at least, and so most places, and so, um, but when you don't have gas, you don't really want to accelerate too past anybody, <laughs> um, and so uh, I'm behind the guy, and he's like going like, I don't know, like 42, right, and it's a 40 mile, miles, uh, mile zone, and, and so I'm just sitting there in that moment, and I'm just like, I could get really frustrated, I could get really nervous. I could get really anxious. I could get really mad at myself. And all of these things that were present in me, things that used to be natural things that just came out. I mean, in that moment, I would probably be raging and blowing my horn and putting my hand out the window, you know, and, and doing all kinds of dumb stuff, you know. And I would be just frustrated and I'd be mad that I forgot my wallet, but I'd find somebody else to blame it for, you know. And, and so I'm just sitting there in, in that moment and, and I see this guy in front of me and I'm just like, it's a beautiful day. Man, I was just a part of an incredible ceremony with these amazing traditions and all this thing is celebrating this, this life of service that's been given, um, you know, through Nathan and, and family and friends. It's just such a cool moment. And God's just 
blessing the church and so many cool things are happening in the church. And so I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, why would I choose those things? God, I just, I want to be in your presence. And so I begin to sing. And, and, and if you've ever sat near the front row, you know that's not a good idea for me. And so I just, I, I just begin to sing. And, and, and that's just something that I, in the privacy of my car or the shower, if nobody else is home, I, I just, it, you know, just even in Psalms, it talks about the song that should be in your heart. It, it talks about this, this sense that we should just be so in love with God that we can't hold back the song, you know. And, and so I just begin to sing. And, and I was just making up my own song, which is even worse idea, you know. And so I, I'm just, I'm glad I'm by myself. And so I'm singing this song. And I'm just, as I'm singing it, I'm saying, God, just give me patience. God, give me patience. God, lead me in your ways. God, teach me how to love. God, and I'm just sitting there and I'm singing these things. And then all of a sudden my song just begins to sing of how good he was and his mercy and his love and his goodness and just how just he is and how right he is. And I literally the whole way home, I just sang. Just sang literally the whole way home. I went 30 extra miles on that tank of gas that I have on any other tank of gas. I don't know if that was God or if it's just I really can push the car that far. I don't know. <laughs> but so I, I went 30 extra miles, and I just sang the whole time. I just sang and sang and sang. But the amazing thing was is the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm just so aware. I can literally feel his presence. This morning when we were in worship and we were just singing, in, in multiple moments when we slowed it down and we just began to sing, it was finished. When Stephanie just went off and she just sang that amazing note and, and it just, it just man, all of us, man, it, just, it was that sense of just like, ah, I, I can feel, I literally can feel God's presence. And there are moments, there are times that God just makes us so aware that he's there with us because his Holy Spirit gives us evidence of his presence. Sometimes it's a feeling, sometimes it's just an emotion, sometimes it's a thought, sometimes it's an encouraging word from somebody else that they're speaking to us. I can't tell you how many times I've made a phone call to somebody or somebody's made a phone call to me and it's like, ah, oh, that's kind of weird. You know, that, that's, that's, that's kind of weird, you know, that that just happened. How many moments we've been in church where the time where the person's doing the worship wrap-up says exactly what the person's getting ready to say in the sermon, and there's been no connection or correlation. You know, I mean, how many, God just works, and he's just like, I'm here, I'm present, I'm there, and the Holy Spirit is making these things aware to us. So I'm going to close with this, and the worship team can go ahead and come up. John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. That's a tough verse, isn't it? If you love me, obey my commandments. It's a tough verse, but it's one that's just covered in grace and goodness. Because he doesn't just leave it there and say, obey, figure out a way, and just make it happen. He says, obey my commandments. Follow me in how I've done it. Walk in the life that I've modeled for you. Jesus, in large part, a lot of his miracles he was able to do because the spirit, scripture says, was not held back from him. He was full on perfect. And because he was full on perfect and because there was nothing faultless in him or fault whatever in him, 
God did not hold back the spirit of God from him. He was able to do anything that God called him to do. He was so aware of God's will. He was so aware of God's desire in a moment that Jesus was able to do whatever was necessary. Jesus did miracles and nobody else on earth was able to do. And actually that's a charge that's held against the Pharisees. I, I, I did all of these things that nobody else has ever been able to do and yet they still don't believe. Jesus was able to do those things because he walked in God's presence in the fullness of his Holy Spirit. He says, you can do the same. You can walk in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, it says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him, but it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be with you. He's saying this, you know him. When you made a vow of devotion, when you said, Jesus, I will follow you, when you shouted out or when you said in a whisper, Jesus, save me, because you're aware of your need for him as Savior, in that moment, the Holy Spirit was with you. The Holy Spirit made a home in your heart. He made you a holy temple. Your very body is the place in which God has made himself present and through the Holy Spirit makes it evident to the world. And then he says he'll always be with you. He'll always be with you through his Holy Spirit as a comforter. In moments of trial, in moments of uncertainty, the Holy Spirit there is there to comfort you. He will be there as a guide to truth. He will be there to stand by you, to assist you in sharing the gospel. He will be there enabling you to be faithful. He will be there to help you to live a full and rich life, sharing about what Jesus has done in your life. He will never leave you, that now and for all of eternity, God is present in you and God is present with you. You do not have to live this life apart from God, away from God, wondering if God cares, wondering if God is gonna provide, wondering if God is there to help. God is always there and he's always with you when you say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. God comes and through his Holy Spirit, he gives you everything you need and everything you could ever want. In moments of uncertainty, in moments of trial, he's your comforter. When you feel alone and when you feel just depressed and you feel sad, he's there to be a friend. He's there to be an uplifter, to be an encourager. And so today, here's how I want to end service. In a moment, we're going to sing some songs. And so what I want us to do is, is I want us to step into a beginning of a conversation that's one that not where we're awkward or feel uncertain about it. But I want us, when we hear the mention of the Holy Spirit, when we hear mention the activity of the Holy Spirit, when we hear somebody ask the question, is the Holy Spirit still active today in the world? Is he still gifting people today as we see the gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Is he still doing those things that we don't back away from it and say, I don't really wanna talk about it right now, but we step into it and say, yeah, he sure is. Every day I wake up aware of God's presence because the Holy Spirit is guaranteed and affirming that I'm his. And he's there with me. Man, last week I went through some bad stuff, but he was there and he was comforting me. 
Man, just the other day, I had this opportunity and this thing. It was so beyond me, and there's no way I could have ever done it on my own, but God worked through me, and not only did I do what was in front of me, but it worked out better than I thought it could have even worked out. And God he keeps opening doors that I don't even know that are there to knock on. God blesses and He provides. God's always there. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's active. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's gifting. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is real. Man, I can't answer all the questions. Yeah, there's a lot of things I'm unsure about. There's a lot of things that don't make sense. But I know this. We're spending the entire summer talking on them, so I'm going to learn a lot more. And also, too, man, I'm okay with the things that I don't know. Because God's going to tell me what I do need to know when I should know it. And on top of that, there's things that I don't want to know. There's things I don't want to be able to figure out. Because He's God. And I want to walk in this mysterious, abundant, big, incredible life that he has for me. And so this morning, if you're here and you say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I've made a vow of devotion. I at one point said, Jesus, save me. If that is you, then his Holy Spirit is in you. Scripture talks about, it says, be filled with the Spirit. Just read it from Ephesians again. That filled with the Spirit is being filled and being filled again and being filled again and being filled again and being filled again. That there's moments and there's times where we recognize and we sense God's presence at a greater level and He's strengthening us. He's encouraging us. can't remember his name right now, but a pastor, a famous pastor from back in the day, 1700s, maybe 1800s. He described the filling of the Holy Spirit again in those moments as he talks about there in Ephesians as a father and a son walking in hand. The son fully knows that the father is there, fully aware of his father's love. He feels comfort because of his father's hand inside of his. He feels strength. He feels like he can face anything because dad is there. But there's something special. There's something greater that happens. When the dad decides on his own choosing or because of his son's request, he reaches down and he picks his son up and puts him in his arms. His son knew, my dad loves me and he's here. But there's this whole new experience, there's a whole new reality because his father's embracing him in a totally different way. And this morning, if you are a follower of Christ, you've made that vow of devotion, and you say, I just need, I need to be filled. I need a fresh touch. I need to be reminded. I need, I need his presence to be made aware of me because there's some junk in my life I need to be purified from. I need to be made right with. Man, there's, there's some things that God's calling me to do and I don't know if I have the power to do it. And I need to be strengthened. I need to be reminded that His Spirit is present in me. And that He's empowering me. And that He's calling me. Maybe you're in a place and you say, I just need a touch from God. I need Him to do something miraculous in my life. I need a healing or I need a provision or I need these things. I want you just to stand where you are. And I want you to say, God, I need you. Maybe you feel a sense that I need to go a little bit further. I need to take this extra step. Come up here and fill these altars. Just come find a place and say, God, I want you. I want your presence. I want to feel you. I want to be filled by you. I want to be embraced by you. I want to be strengthened by you. I want to be empowered by you. And if you just have this extra sense, this extra leading to come forward, I'll be up here. Pastor Fred will be up here. We'll pray for you if you have something specific you need prayed for. 
But I want us as we sing these songs to call out and say, God, I'm aware of your presence. God, I don't want to hide because of things I don't understand. I don't want to run because of things that don't make sense. God, I want to embrace the life that you have for me because you have embraced me, because you have chosen me, because you have called me, because you've made a home in my life and your Holy Spirit, your presence is made home in my life now. God, I acknowledge you, I see you. God, I want more of you. And if you're in here today and you don't know if you've made that vow, you don't know if you've had that moment, you don't feel a sense of comfort. You don't feel a sense of guidance. You feel a sense of being lost and being just on your own. Today, in this moment, you can stand and you can say, I give my life. I understand and I know that I'm a sinner and that in my own, I could never be in a relationship with God. But Jesus came and made it possible. Jesus came and made it so that I could be with him and so that I could be in a relationship with him and know him to be present now and for all of eternity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, it talks about the guarantee that he gives us and it says that it, 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 in essence it's saying it's, it's a foretaste, that we get the sense that, that God now, in this moment, we can be so aware of him now that it's a foretaste of what is to be. It's what we talk about, heaven now, heaven forever, that now in this moment I can sense and know all that I'm going to know in fullness in all of eternity. And you can know that this morning if you stand up and you say, Jesus, I'm going to make a vow of devotion to follow you from this moment for the rest of my life. For all of eternity, you are mine and I am yours. God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose for me. And if that's you this morning, I want you to stand up as we begin to sing. I want you, if you need to, come and find me. Come find Pastor Fred. We will pray with you. But let's move into this moment and we'll just say, God, move. God, lead. God, give me what I need. got blessed assurance oh Jesus is mine yeah. oh what a foretaste foretaste of glory divine yeah yeah and I Water from a fountain that never will run dry. It's an open heaven, you're releasing, and we will never be denied. Oh, and I've got a river. Water, mountain, and never will run dry. You say now it's an open heaven. You're releasing, and we will never be denied. Somebody raise your hands and say that I've got a river, living water. From a fountain that never will run dry. It's